Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of the Be Yourself and Love It podcast, an extra special episode because this is the first ever listener conversation that I've done on this show. So a listener of the show got in touch with me and asked to speak to me about the issues that they're facing, and the result of that experiment is this show. This isn't a formal therapy or coaching session, but we explore some of the issues as to why someone would end up in a relationship with someone that didn't treat them very well, and hopefully in a way that will be useful to you or to someone that you know if you are able to pass the wisdom on. Please let me know what you think of this experiment, and if you think you'd like to have a listener conversation, you can get in touch with me on anthony at beyourselfandloveit.com. Okay, so let's just go through it briefly. You yep. got into your first relationship and that lasted a year yes. and you thought it was going well, but there was one triggering event where I think you confronted her for not being in touch with you. Is that right? Yeah, so basically, uh, to straighten things out here, like I, I thought it was going well. I thought it was in a very happy relationship. However, many times, first of all, my friends that I've kind of estranged uh, over the course of my relationship, did think of the other person as as just toxic, and some some even refer to her as a as just psychopath and some things mm. that she she's done. But uh, I thought I was in a happy place, and it was just it, there were certain moments where I did have doubts, but not doubts as to what I'm I was doing, doubts as to whether or not the other person is the right person for me. And it's just this is again something that uh, I've later upon trying to deal with the issue uh, discovered for your uh, podcast with Pete, Pete Gerlach, uh, which was like the person just simply had deep psychological wounds and she would just like, if she get mad over like the remote not working, she would just like throw it around and eventually I, I think it led to it permanently damaging. Like, you know, if you throw a remote TV, like TV remote around, it just starts making this like, weird noise inside us or something like a piece of plastic is broken and stuff like that and eventually just stopped working entirely and things such as that right. and um but like i said going back to what you asked me i i, I although like i said there were things that i were that I was concerned about i thought i was in a very happy place and there was there was a situation where i recently got um a new job and it was my first job as well um I, a sales associate in a Retail establishment, shall we say? And essentially, um, I, I got I got my interview shortly after I've given them my CV. A couple of days after that, so it was about mid July at that point. And after the interview, I tr- shortly after that they called me, told me that I got the job, which I was very happy about. And they told me that my induction was Monday, the twenty something of July, which I went to, and I I spent about four hours being like showing everything and stuff like that, and then I came home um, after after that, and essentially like even though I'd seen the person after that, and I'd seen the person a couple of times, like in, in the following days, they never asked me about like any any other stuff, which I thought was a bit odd. Like if if you cared about some someone, and like it was also a decision that she was also faced with. Like she was very much. Um, wanting to get a job to be able to kind of um you know do what people with money would do up after getting a job which she didn't have a lot of simply because she didn't work and 
like because I entered a completely it is a completely new stage in my life. Um, like I said, it's my first job, and it was also a job that she was entirely scared of. Like like I said, it's a retail establishment. It's, I sell essentially jeans and clothes to people and i know because she told me that she would never be able to work in an environment like that because she just stress out right and so she's got social anxiety yeah yeah she's she's actually been diagnosed with um an anxiety disorder i'm pretty okay. sure but yeah okay wait a second so yep. we're covering quite a lot of stuff at the moment basically one thing that was a big red flag to you before this argument which ended up in the termination of your relationship came up was that something quite simple which is you'd been for a job interview and you think if someone's close to you and really cares about you the first thing they'll do is phone you up and be like hey how did your interview go and that triggered you basically that that you that you noticed that she wasn't being forthcoming in that respect and you confronted her on that and that ended up allowing her it seems to me, from my perspective, the excuse to terminate the relationship, which was something that she was actually wanting to do for a while. You said in her words, she said she'd got bored of you. That's a pretty big burn. <laughs> you know, no one wants to hear that. But um, before that, you thought, at least from her perspective, there was nothing on the radar that would have made you think that the relationship was at least in danger. Is that right or is that wrong? Um so so basically one other one other thing that was along the essentially getting bored of me was um the person is just literally I'm 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 currently a student I study at Harriet Watt University but she um is finishing high school right now and I was in I was in a position of because of the like a couple of months of age difference but in a very specific time of year, as in I'm very early. I was born early in the year, and she was born in December. Um, we were in different years, so because uh, my school essentially did something that was fifth and sixth year, this this made uh, make absolutely no sense to somebody that doesn't know the Scottish education system. But essentially, the, despite the different different levels and and kind of a difference in age, we were still in the same classes, and um. Essentially, that's how I met her. Was uh, when I was in fifth year, she was in fourth year, and I didn't know the person because we didn't have the same classes. But in fifth and sixth year, we did. And the thing is, I I went through a situation where my last year of study, and I was in a very particular situation as well, where I didn't have any hires. Again, this might not make sense to somebody that you know doesn't isn't aware of Scottish education system, but any grades that would essentially show to your university, yeah, you are worth. Uh, giving an offer to at the end of fifth year, which I don't know if can be if it can be considered a red flag because some people go straight from fifth year, but I know that in order for me to get into uni, which is something that I had done, was um, in in sixth year I had to very much focus on my studies and achieve okay. very good grades, and and it was somewhat of an of a stressful experience, and essentially. Going back, bringing it back around to the main topic of the conversation or, or your question, uh, my ex had asked me or had, had previously raised her own doubts as to whether or not it's right for her to have uh, somebody in six year. Right. And for, for me, it was for me, it was a non question because, like I said, I was and, and it still kind of is. Maybe maybe it's just my perspective, but still kind of is because I was able to make it work. 
in a in a right. situation that was quite unfortunate or not maybe Wait not unfortunate yeah yeah i mean to be honest people say things like that uh, and it's not necessarily the case i mean see if she was head over heels in love with you still i don't know how long far into the relationship this was but it wouldn't be an issue for her if someone's interest level is high enough they will find reasons and justifications to stay with you if they are interest level is low enough they will find uh, reasons and justifications and rationalizations for why they don't think it's going to work yeah and, and, you- and it's it's like just sorry to cut you off but this was exactly maybe not word for word but that was essentially my thought process is well like this again it might sound like a very cheap line or, or a cop-out but like if if you really truly loved me or or was were interested enough in me then you especially that you are objectively in a better situation of entering six year with four hires uh whereas i entered six year with none so like again for for me it, it was that was the kind of thought process that was going behind sure. in my head right okay so you you had a clue you had an intuition but you didn't really um act on that intuition or bring it fully into your conscious mind and no no fault to you on that because i mean you're a young man do you know what i mean and it t- sometimes takes some life experience to notice these things or at least having someone around to tell you uh jordan peterson at this point but uh again he said something about deluding yourself not deluding yourself any more than you had to and i think it's definitely i definitely didn't follow that piece of advice mm-hmm. i i i think there was a route or 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 like something in my mind that could have you know sparked such a thought that maybe this person simply is no longer no longer wants to be with me because it's not such big of a deal if i'm entirely honest and yeah uh, but but i i was i was not wanting to accept that kind of a thought right okay so you basically uh try to focus away from it because you didn't like the implications of it and tried to focus on the things that you did like and didn't take into account the signs that you were getting um, because you were basically projecting your level of interest onto her and in, in sense that you were seeing what you wanted to see. Yeah, okay, absolutely. so let me ask like, you a question. Yep. Let me ask you a question. Right. See, when you first started going out the first few months, how often did she get in touch with you? Quite often. I mean, uh, so basically our relationship started very, very, very quickly from the point of meeting her. Mm. I've, I've, I've met her about the 16th of August. It was literally, um, middle of the fringe. And by the 28th, we were, we were going out together. So it was exactly mm. 12 days. And at first, and not only, so even beforehand, she was very, very interested in me, I'd say, mm-hmm. but also and not just showing it to me, but showing it to other people as well right. that I that right. I like knew of because they were either our mutual friends or my friends and things such and whatnot. Yeah. It got word got round. Okay, so she yeah. was very excited I, but, about you. Yeah. Wait a second. I'm trying to ask a a progression of questions. Okay. Yeah. So if we can have some shorter answers to some of the questions that will help oh, yeah, us ex- yeah. get deeper at the moment. Would you say that most of the time when you spoke, she contacted you first at the beginning of the relationship? 
At the beginning, I think it was about 50-50. 50-50. Late, late, later on, I think it turned into 90% of the time it was me. Right, okay. So there's your big red flag right there. So I'm guessing at the beginning you were both contacting each other often. You know, there was a lot of enthusiasm there, so it was coming from both ends. And uh, so she might have been contacting you, tell me, every day or, or almost yeah, every yeah, day? Yeah, we, we, we spoke every day and like... Mm-hmm. When I said 50-50, it was quite, like, it de- definitely was quite equal. And I think the reason for that is we both live quite close together, right. even still. And 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 essentially what's happened was, like, it would depend on who was able to message the other person first. And then when the person responded, that's when the conversation really took off. Sure. And you would never have felt at that time that if you were messaging her like you were invading in her personal space or pushing her away or anything like that. So for the first week before the um, before the relationship started, I felt that. But after, but okay, after you were insecure. Yeah, you were scared that you were scared that if you contacted her too much at the start, that she you'd come across as too eager and scare her away. I'm not sure if it's that okay. because for me, I think I, I'm. I quite rarely it's 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 become a more of a thing lately because mm-hmm. I I've I've made it a point to become more of a social person but especially now that I'm going into uni but beforehand I would rarely initiate contact with anyone because okay. uh, because it's not just with her but with everyone I felt as though I invaded their f- time off which they could have been doing something better or more valuable in their life than speaking to so- well, to someone okay. like me so, so, so there you have a self-esteem issue where you don't think that contacting someone, you're providing them value. Actually, you think, and rather than think, oh yeah, they'll be pleased to hear from me, I'm sure, you're thinking that you're going to be imposing on someone by getting yeah. in touch with them. Yeah, and I think, it, it, like I said, it's less of a case right now, but sometimes it still feels that way to me. But like a lot less than it was before um, all this went down, essentially. Okay, I hear you. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that to hear that you feel that way. I'm interested in knowing when you were growing up, how much of the time you felt inconvenient as a child. Inconvenient, like to anyone, anyone in particular, or to the adults around you. Um, quite often, I would say, especially right. in my in my um. Growing up past uh, the age of seven, like I, I never particularly felt that, but past the age of seven, I felt as though I definitely felt that way quite a lot, I would say. And was there a triggering event around the age of seven that would have led you to feel that way more often? So, but, uh, kind of, basically, it was just after I turned seven, like two or three months past my birthday, we had moved out, out of a city that I lived um, I lived in my entire life. I was born in, and I lived lived there, uh, to a city that was uh, essentially 800 kilometers away, or I don't know, about 500 miles, if if that gives anyone anything. But um, yeah, and basically what it was is the the reason behind the move was my parents have um divorced when I was two, right? And around about the age of seven, my father, who was a who was in a I would presume he still is, but I have no contact with him. An abusive person, and like my mom's 
uh, got a damaged ear canal permanently because of the fact that she's been hit by him. And basically, he's, he's uh, I guess you could say, shown interest in uh, having me over a lot more, which was which he didn't have full parental custody up until then. But he started uh, like dragging my mom to court and things and whatnot. And basically, I felt as though I was hmm. the reason as to why my mother was going through a very tough time with a person who had already done so much damage to her was solely because of my existence uh, as a person and 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 later on like i know you said shorter answer so this is my no last no no part. this it's, is fine this is fine at, at this stage this is kind of the, this is kind of the stuff i was that we were digging for anyway it was just it was just earlier on please just go on yeah that's fair enough so past that point i've also and i don't think i've ever been able to put it into words but a video a quite a long video that, that was about single motherhood created by Stefan Molyneux quite recently right. and I don't re- really listen to Stefan Molyneux anymore but sometimes he puts out something that I would agree with more on a social level than political level but I digress uh, he, talk about, he talks about single motherhood and how often especially boys uh, mm-hmm. will feel as though they are, they are a barrier to their mother's um, happiness essentially right. because of the fact that be, of, out of mere existence and the fact that they detract from resources that a single mother will have less of anyway and right. I, I think I, like I said I was never able to put it into words but I think that was the case with me as well. Right that really struck a chord with you when you heard that Stefan Molyneux presentation and, and you, yeah. you saw yourself reflected in that and the um, and you I have identified really that when you were growing up at this age of seven, when your your dad started taking your mum through the courts and you'd moved away, basically you were uprooted from a relatively unstable but stable situation to a, an even more unstable situation, um, just at the drop of a hat all of a sudden. So, but it was very clear to you, well, you got a sense that your mum had enough on her plate and was going through enough difficulties without having to take care of you and your needs as well, and that left you feeling like you were somehow inconvenient or or difficult, or things would easy, be easier for the people around you if you weren't around. Is that right, or would you like to add anything to that? No, I think I think that's absolutely right. And like I said, it, like like you said, um, that presentation really struck a chord with me, Don Vestifan Molyneux. And like I said, I, was, I don't think I was ever able to put it into words or was afraid to put it into words because of what I would feel like right. maybe thinking about what my mother would feel if I if I was just outright saying, saying things such like that her. out loud. Yeah, but but it was something that I really uh, felt quite a lot. Yeah. I mean, most of my life at this point. Right, so you kind of put that out of your mind because... Obviously, when you think of it, you're likely to think something like, oh, you know, if my mother heard me say that, that would really hurt her feelings. I wouldn't want her to. So you put it out your own minds because it's inconvenient to other people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that we're getting to some of the reason why you might have ignored many of the red flags that were coming up in this relationship for one thing you don't have a great sense of worthiness within yourself because of the kind of you know the potter's wheel of childhood that you were molded in you know you ended up 
coming out of that childhood not feeling like you had a huge sense of self-worth, feeling like you might be inconvenient to other people rather than people wanting to spend time with you, you feel like you're imposing upon their time. Add to that, you know, it's your first romantic relationship. You're a young man, there was probably a lot of infatuation involved and we know that infatuation gets in the way of us seeing clearly. So you were in a position where you were kind of blinded by your emotions and your your desire for this other person. So when the balance of power started to shift from her doing at least 50% of the pursuing, staying in touch with you, telling her friends and your friends about your relationship because she was excited about you, and you felt like you could get in touch with her, probably one of the reasons why you felt so hard, you fell so hard, I meant to say, is because now you had a person who you were allowed to call on, who liked it when you called upon her, who you knew didn't see you as inconvenient. You know, you were allowed to throw yourself into that at least for a while, and that probably felt like something really, that it met a deep need. It felt like it met a deep need in you for acceptance from your environment, from someone who, to all intents and purposes, seemed to love you, um, at least for a while while the uh, are you following me so far yeah yeah absolutely and I, I, the reason why I didn't um, add anything to it is I, I was listening in and also agreeing with you right. for most of the part and also just to add something before I completely forget about it is right. uh, shortly after uh, it, ha- it had happened I began feeling like that again and I started right. essentially I told myself that I was going to like I said, become a more social person now that I'm right. at that point shortly was going to go into university and now that I'm I'm in it. Yes. Uh, but also trying to recover some of the lost friendships that I've essentially right. screwed up over the time. Yeah, that's um, a bad and, and, thing. And it's, and it's just reaching out to people who I've not spoken to uh, or, or spoken to sometimes, but on a daily basis, if I on, on, only because they were around my school environment. And then afterwards, I would not ever get in contact with them. And sure. reaching out to some of them for the first time ever to hang out, for example, or anything like yeah, that. So, so I, I, I've, 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 when, when they, for example, weren't available, I began feeling again like, mm. uh, like I was an annoyance. And eventually, I've, I've, I think I've reached a point where I was not able to distinguish between just almost claustrophobia of, of, of loneliness and just peaceful mm. solitude sometimes like when there was nobody to essentially play around with like I, 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 I would not be able to find something that I was gonna do for myself even 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 pick up a book and read it I was at that point I've, I think I've become too apathetic and this is something right. that I'm currently trying to change is right yeah so you were experiencing some depression and apathy as a consequence of with all these difficult experiences as well. I think so, yeah. Right, so you, you fell into a mistake that quite a lot of people do when they're in school and they, they, they get in their first serious relationships, which is to forget about the other people, uh, the companions in their life. And I know that that was compounded by the fact that you felt inconvenient when you were calling on other people, but you didn't continue to cultivate and foster your friendships. And that led to a situation that when you were out of the relationship, you don't even just, it's not just the relationship that's been pulled out from under you, but you realize that over the time that you've been in the relationship, 
um, other relationships have suffered and you, you don't have them either. Um, so, well, going back to the strand that I was on before, I was just going to say that basically at some point during that relationship, things changed and they probably changed gradually um, to from you guys contacting each other equally to her contacting you less and you contacting her more. And that will have gone like probably 50-50, 60-40, 70-30, 80-20, 90-10 to the point where the, it blew up at the point where she had a specific reason to get in touch with you and say, hey, how did your interview go? And it's only at that point that something that had been happening gradually... Oh, but it's not. See, the thing is that, 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 that so that she never actually has reached out to me after the interview. It I was me that. upon leaving the interview. I messaged her, and I didn't even. Uh, uh, the interview ended about two, I would say two p.m. And I messaged her only about six p.m. Did I get a reply? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Well, I mean, it amounts to the same thing. Over the course of your relationship, her interest level in you was going down slowly, and what she would have, what you would have needed to do to keep her interest level high, if that was even a thing worth doing, which is questionable, um, given the number of red flags. Yeah. But um, the bottom line is her interest level, and in you started to de decrease. You didn't notice, or you did notice some of the signs but you didn't put them enough in your attention to address them and she didn't have the emotional maturity to talk to you about what her needs were in the relationship and um, to spice things up it sounds to me like you might you may have been over pursuing and that might have been one of the things that led to her um, feeling bored or, or feeling choked or that that it was just too much, like you were doing most of the chasing, and that is not um, that is not the place that most women want to be in. They want to feel like they're they're doing at least an equal amount of the chasing, uh, because if a woman wants to speak to you or wants to spend time with you, she will initiate that. And you know, if you give her the gift of missing you, then she is more likely to. Um, you know, she she's in her own space, she's doing her own thing, and she loves to feel like, you know, she can go and knock on you when she's ready to, and that, that you're there to receive her, provided that you're not doing something else. And obviously, we want that as well. We want to know that we can turn to someone uh, as well. But you can turn to someone if the relationship is on a strong foundation. And I don't think it was one... One reason, because of obviously her issues and her anxieties and her declining interest. And the other one, because um, it wasn't built on your self-esteem. You know, you, you weren't coming into a relationship um, in a place where you value yourself and you think you're highly worth someone else's time. Uh, on the contrary, you were like... Yes, I'm finally worth, so, someone finally thinks that I'm worth their time. And you are basically getting your feel-good drugs uh, emotionally from being in a relationship with someone who you feel finally accepts you. 
you see do you see what I'm getting at here with the difference? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. And I think most, maybe not most of it, but a large part of it <clears throat> has dawned on me shortly after uh, it has reached the point of no return and 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 collapsed. Is after after I've run the negative, mostly negative emotions had run their course for say a week to ten days or so because I, I feel as though that's about the roughly the frame of my the time frame that I was feeling really bad about myself uh, lasted for uh, and then I started picking things up and began feeling as though I need to cultivate the like you like you mentioned the friendships uh, and, and and other mm-hmm. relationships in my life that I've uh, neglected so far and and at, at some point also this is this is kind of jumping the queue here because we were speaking about what what was the course of it of my breakup and we've not mm. actually reached the focal point of it but um uh, about a week say eight days after um after it's happened my best friend from after i've come to scotland uh two and a half years ago had had reached out to me and basically it's somebody who knew the other person before i knew them mm-hmm. Quite well, as a matter of fact, and um, and has seen this thing happen more than once before with her, right. and 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 he essentially offered me the chance of speaking to somebody who, again, at this point, I felt understood me and accepted hmm. me and and my situation, and basically, what's happened was um, I I'd, I'd gone uh, out with him. I'd seen him around uh, around 2 p.m. and I've only left after well after 9 p.m. So I think we've spent about seven or eight hours together, which gave me the chance to just relax. Sometimes at some point we sat in the Prince's Gardens, but uh, and just just talked about nothing essentially. Mm. But <clears throat> quite a lot of the conversation that day was either me getting the uh, ability to just talk. Through and constru- constructively criticize what I've I've identified the the um, red flags like you said, but I've mm-hmm. never really processed them through my mind, and I felt as though this was the right time to do it. And like I said, I felt as though I also had a person who understood me and would right. could contribute to that as well. But also just bitch and essentially let 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 some steam off, which was also a very therapeutic experience. Yeah, yes. <clears throat> it's important but, to have companions around you that you can share your experience with, but also along the way, talk about what's happening so that if you're doing anything crazy but you can't see it because you're too involved in the situation, they'll go, whoa, dude, like, what the hell? Because uh, you should really think th- rethink that. And the evidence of that is on the face of it. When she broke up with you, you were like, what the hell? Like she just dropped me out of trash. It came out. Yeah. Of, it came out of nowhere. But now that we've looked at the situation and analysed it, it really didn't come out of nowhere. There were several signals along the way that were either yellow or bright red lights that, if you had been aware, you would have seen. Oh, she's losing interest. So, such as when it turned out that you were doing 60% of the chasing rather than 50%, 
oh, she must be losing interest, 70%, oh, she really must be losing interest because I always seem to be the one to message her, right, okay, well, maybe I should message her less, take a step back, because clearly she feels like she's seeing me enough and she's getting enough for me, I'll let her have some space to miss me and then she'll come to me, right, this is what... This is this is what happens if you know about this stuff. If you don't know about this stuff, then it just goes right past you. But if you do know about this stuff, you can calibrate. You can look at the way that other people are treating you and read that as, you know, they're, they're giving you information about how much or how little time they want to spend with you. Because at the end of the day, people will love you as much as they invest in the relationship. They'll love you more for what they do for you than what you do for them. If they're feeling all romantic and loved up and things like that, you know, bringing them flowers or making a nice date is wonderful. It enhances. Romance enhances the love that's already there. But, you know, we've all heard of the person that turns up to a first date with, like, flowers or takes them to a fancy restaurant right away, and the girl's like, I don't even know you. This is just, like, pressure. And, you know, she'll run away as quickly as possible. Or, you know, if she's a gold digger, she'll just lap up the attention <laughs> and he'll go on and she'll go, he'll go on, his, on his own. But these days, women are really, most women are really not like that and they will just make their excuses and leave because they feel uncomfortable being a taker. Anyway, I digress. My point is that there was multiple red flags that you didn't notice particularly the fact that she was putting less effort into the relationship than you were. I don't think you should ever be in a position where the seesaw goes more than 60, 40, and maybe then it goes back the other way, 60, 40, and things like that. Or, you know, maybe if the other person's having a hard time, you put more effort in, but it averages out. It averages out over time. Yeah, and the thing is, the thing is with me and the seemingly... Or not seemingly, but seeming problems that she had in her life. I mean, that's struggling with the uh, the anxiety disorder and, and yeah. depression, which is not something that I make up, by the way. This is this no, is, no, I believe uh, some, you. Some, some, someone. This is her words. Yes. It felt as though, like like you mentioned, like if somebody is dealing through a rough time, but it felt as though um, it felt as though the rough time never ended, and right. and I and and it kept on getting worse up until I, I've reached a point where there was there was a 100% effort from me, or 110 even, and right. zero from her. Right. And, 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 and this, is, this is something that I wanted to touch on if, if, yeah. if, is, um, if it never got to that point of conversation. Mm-hmm. But several times in the relationship, we had pretty big arguments, which were mainly certain around communication. Right. And, and the reason for that is, and this is something that we've privately spoken about before, but the reason for that is, uh, it was me bottling those issues up. And I think the right. reason for me doing what, my was, own issues yeah. or noticing those red flags, but then not. She was super sensitive. She was super sensitive to criticism. Yeah. So, so for and yeah, for for me, I felt as though first of all, I can't bring it up right now because the person is doing with. She's with, down. Yeah. She, yeah. But also. Just like I said, like afraid of criticism towards towards her, and I, um, I, I think that's the main reason. And eventually, those issues, after I after like I've I've put on like a hundred and fifty percent throttle and was just mm. like running dry on on and fuel and just running on fumes. Yeah. I think at that point I would have just blown up and being like, okay, I I 
this is yeah this, you need to this get has got stuff off your chest. and and so and so it would devolve into a pretty large argument <clears throat> I'm, i apologize about my voice by the way okay. uh, but but after after the argument would have happened we would sort things out even or like not during it but after we'd bring the argument back down to a level of a discussion and then then we'd be able to talk and then but then things would feel about equal for about two weeks and then after right. two weeks they would start tipping Going the scale the other again. Way. So and, and you were looking to have uh, some kind of argument or let's say a conflict in the best possible way, right? We've got a conflict here that you want to resolve even if you didn't communicate that well because you basically bottled things up until it was too much and you needed to get things off your chest and they come came out the way they do when you tend to do that, which is not the best way, you were hoping that a catalyzing event like that would change around the relationship to the kind of relationship to more of a balance. But um, that's not how it works. Like if you wanted, like you said, things would get better for about two weeks, you'd make more effort and things like that, but then it would go back to the way it was. And that is going to happen because... The relationship's like a garden. If you want it to be a certain way that's steady, it needs to be something that you guys are constantly working on, constantly working on to improve, to get it to be the way that it is, not just one triggering event. It's the same with self-healing. You know, people want to go to one retreat or um, have one NLP session or hypnosis or something like that that completely changes their state of mind. Well, you might have an experience that switches you out of your general state for a couple of weeks just the same, but chances are you're going to go back to that normal stage unless you build in habits, routines and things like that that support you so that they're just part of the way you live your life day to day. And it's no different from a relationship. You guys were bottling up issues rather than speaking about them calmly and having meetings and problem solving, putting your heads to problem solve together so that the general state of your relationship was one that you wanted to be in and um, just on a day-to-day basis, something that you enjoyed visiting. All the stuff that you were bottling would have been in the back of your mind poisoning the relationship all the stuff she was bottling would have been back in her mind uh, also she she was bringing that unconscious material to the relationship and that made it a generally not nice place to be in and sorry to go on such a big long epic but this stuff's important i feel like it all leads back to the same thing which is you not feeling worthy And if this conversation is instructive on any one point to anyone who might listen to it, it's the idea that there has to be self-esteem there first to build a relationship on. And then uh, the the relationship cannot be the source of self-esteem. Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with it. But also, it's hard for me to construct this thought because... It's not just about the fact that I didn't have self-esteem, but also, sure. I, I think I think, like you said, I was looking for it to come out of it, as opposed to me putting it in. Right. But because I wasn't, you know, getting it out of it, or, or or because it was it was essentially it was essentially like a hair in a head where I, I'd feel good about myself because this person acknowledges me and right. and, and, and seems to 
accept me, like you said. Yeah. Uh, but but it either wasn't enough or just because it was fake. Right. I um felt as though yeah. I needed to put more effort in. Always. Right. 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 You yeah. always had to put. You were you were investing and investing and investing, trying to get that return in your investment. And it might well be that the more you invested, the more you pushed her away, because she felt that inequality. And that was either made her feel like it might have made her interest level go down. That I and again I reaffirm that might not necessarily have been a bad thing because you know a girl with her particular personality and makeup and interests might not have been ideal for you in the end. But these are the kind of things because basically you're putting in hoping to get something out of someone else and it's very easy to do and I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening has done it might some may, may still be doing it and see it as familiar I certainly know I have and um, and the more you put in the more attached you are to that person the more invested you are in that person and the more desperate you are to have something back out but but that doesn't keep a person what keeps a person is what they put in what they invest and um, and what I was saying about the it's, we've got so many strands of conversation that sometimes it gets hard to follow them all. Yeah. But what I wanted to bring back to was the fact that you didn't notice, say, her communicating with you less, or maybe her being less accommodating, less understanding, or any behaviours that changed. You probably were trying to be nice enough to get her to go back to the way it was, whereas it wasn't you being nice in the first place that got her to be... The way the the way it was, it was her interest level. Her interest level got her to put more effort in. So what I would say is the only reason why you didn't tape, you didn't notice that. I, I can't say the only reason, but a major reason for that is comes back to the feeling of like being inconvenient, which is something that you're used to from growing up. So it's camouflage. Oh well, I'm just being treated the way that someone who's inconvenient or someone who is not of value to other pe- people could be expected to be treated. I'm, I'm saying this is a program that may have been running in your unconscious mind. If you did feel worthy, as soon as this stuff started to happen, well, first of all, it might not have happened. If it did start to happen, you'd notice and you'd think, what the hell? You maybe yeah, find, yeah. So, you so, know, you'd find someone who treat you like it's worth, like you're worthy. You find someone who chases after you. Who yeah, does I, I, mo- I think most I think it's exactly exactly what you're saying is because I felt like that. Mm. I I I wanted. I, I I felt as though I wasn't worthy, and because of it, I I, I was happy to accept anything. But right. if I if I did come from the right place of of being being genuinely happy with with who I am and and knowing what I stand for and things like that. I think <clears throat> I think I would have noticed like you you said at some point before that maybe it's better in the end that it didn't work out with that person. And looking at it now from the perspective of two not to one and a half months, I I I wholeheartedly agree with that. Mm. I think I think if I came in with the right attitude but also the right feeling for myself right. I think I would have noticed the the warning signs and, and, and things like that mm-hmm. earlier on and, and I would have either confronted her and, and basically the, the 
the first time I have ever done it, like properly stood up for myself and properly hmm. wanted to 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 stand up for what I feel is is right for me. That's when that's when the breakup happened, and and and, right. and essentially, yeah, yeah. I think I think I think that's why, I, and I think I was like quote unquote right to avoid yes. it and bottle it up because I knew that that like I knew that it was going to lead to that, and I want didn't want that because I was I was hooked on heroin essentially. Right. Okay. I hear you. And the thing is, for future reference, you know, you have to confront those issues in. Uh, with good communication skills, of course, yeah. early on, because see if her interest level was high, she would have wanted to please you. You know, when her early on in the relationship, when her interest level was high, if you have issues, and obviously this goes the other way for ladies who are in a relationship with a dude, if you've got issues, it's important to broach them diplomatically in the early stage of the of the relationship not wait until the honeymoon period's over and then try and get the person to change because if you set up the dynamic of the relationship early on hey babe you know the other day such and such happened uh, and i really didn't like that can we talk about it oh yeah i didn't know i didn't oh i really didn't realize you felt that way you have a discussion you solve a problem. Their interest level's high, so they want to please you and they want to resolve the conflict with you. Now, if you start that at the beginning of the relationship, that becomes normal. That becomes the normal way for you guys to work through problems. If you wait until after the honeymoon period's over, it becomes awkward and you end up bottling things up. Now, what ended up happening is you were like, I've got a problem with you. And she was like, I don't give a fuck enough to want to help you solve your problem. In fact, I'm out of here because it's, too, uh, because it's too inconvenient for me to take your needs into account. And I'm not getting enough out of the relationship to want to do that. Uh, can I just yeah. <clears throat> add something to it right, right now? Yeah. It's basically... <clears throat> so anybody can think of what I did in any particular way but hmm. essentially it was shortly shortly after i broke up with or well she broke up with me i essentially had an epiphany of as uh, like i was feeling really down at work because it, sh it was shortly after it happened but everybody at my workplace people who i've only known for a week at that point hmm. because yeah like almost some of them still total strangers only a couple people who I like I consider colleagues but not even friends yet but all of them were really incredibly supportive <clears throat> and it's something at some point that struck me so much that I felt the need to share it with the world but I knew right. but I didn't really want to do it on on a place where everybody could see yeah so so essentially I went on a short rant on on Twitter hmm. and then and then like about 2 weeks afterwards I saw her retweet that and that when I confronted her about it, asked why she'd done it, she told me that she had a giggle over it. And, wow. uh, and what, what I said, what, wow. and the, the particular treat, uh, the tweet that I said was, it said something like, I don't know if it's still up, I, I might have deleted it. I think I deleted it actually. But it said a, a thing like, when, when, you're, when you feel like your workplace and people at your workplace who've, who you've known for a very, very brief time 
care more about how you feel and your motivations than a person who claimed that they loved you. Ouch. Which, which from my perspective was right. And, and mm. this, this, her doing that and telling me about it, like straight to my face, only just proved to me that that's the kind yeah. of person, like, right. who, 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 even, even if you don't give two shits about me at this point, if you, right. if, if at any point you, during the last you, year, yeah. gave, gave a shit, why right. would you, why would you ever go, oh, I had a giggle over the fact that a person yeah. who I've been with for a year, Told, just like said that. that they that they that they felt like shit for a year, and and I just Ouch. and I just kind of had a laugh for it, and it's like, well, okay. well, and and like I said, this is this is going back to what I said before is if I had gone to the, into the relationship with the right attitude and me being in the right state of mind, I would have noticed these things and I, and sure. I, the, the level of, essentially like I'm I'm no longer feeling like it because at this point it's bollocks, but the the level of being just disturbed at what I had seen from her say was 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 I I would have seen it earlier and be like you're not the right person because right. you do things like that you genuinely yeah. don't give a shit and uh, that's yeah. not the that that's not the kind of feeling that I want to settle for yeah absolutely not so I'm glad that you noticed that and I'm sorry that is like just cruel and cold-hearted imagine yeah, I know. saying and, I had and, a giggle like, about that and 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 this is this is completely unrelated by the way. And I like I don't know, might be giving too much information at this point, but who cares? Um, I'd noticed the other person uh, recent. Uh, so my Instagram account is private, mm-hmm. so that means that means nobody can see it, or, or people can search it and stuff like that, but um, they can't see the pictures or anything like that unless they follow me and I approve that request. And she she asked to follow me. Just two or three days ago, actually, that was that wow. was we'd seen each other like two days ago. That was the day before. Right. Yeah. So she's curious to see what you're up I, to. I don't. Basically. I don't really know what and it also, is because and because from because, Instagram you can. Well, you can I mean, hold. you've withdrawn from her. Yeah. So whatever little, so whatever little she was getting for you from you not being withdrawn, she's not getting just now, and. As I said, you know, just for future reference for anyone listening, if sometimes the best thing to do if the other person is not making as much effort to get in touch with you is, is to give that person some space. If they're really interested in you, they'll become more interested, given space to come and approach you back. If they're not really interested, then they'll drift away, and it's kind of like the ultimate test. And that's kind of what's happening right now, I'm guessing, that because your presence isn't there and you're not coming after her, she's now, oh, I wonder what's going on with him. You know, it's not never to be um, surprised even. <coughs> in see, see, so it could be either that. Happen. It could be. It could just be her going, oh, I wonder what's going on with with him. In which case, that is that is also cruel. Mm-hmm. May, may I just point out that is yeah. really incredibly cruel. But the the other thing is. There was an instance, and this is something that we've also privately spoken about, but at some point after leaving work, it was quite recently, about two weeks ago, I'd say, I'd seen her outside, uh, outside of Princess Street, so the main street of Edinburgh, and basically, I tried to make contact. Up until that point, she had blocked me on on most things that I could ever contact her on. And and after, after that has happened, I... For the first week, I like I'm not gonna lie. Like I was, like I said, it was essentially a, a, a case of me letting letting off a drug 
and mm. then and then when you you have a withdrawal symbol uh, mm-hmm. symptom, and it was me, and I like tried absolutely everything that I could have yeah. done to to rescue it, but yeah. what it what and that would have going, just pushed her away yeah. even more. But going back to the situation, I I I was up until that point I was blocked, and then at that point, shortly before that happened, she unblocked me, and that was just shortly as well after she retweeted that tweet that I just mentioned. Wow. And so I approached, uh, approached her, hoping to ask her why she even unblocked me and things like that. And then she just like started doing this weird fit on the street. So I was just like, and then told me to leave. So I, at that mm. point, I told myself, right, I, I'm gonna get lost. So, so bye now. And, and I just left. But at, uh, shortly, literally, ten minutes afterwards, I pulled out my phone and blocked her, like blocked her number, right. blocked her Facebook, blocked absolutely everything. Right. And I know. Uh, and yeah, so and don't look back. So, so 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 yeah yeah exactly. And but like I said, I can't contact her on anything. So it can be either uh, her being like, oh, I wonder what's going on with him, or or it could be um, her genuinely trying to make contact. Although I'm I'm not sure why would she ever hmm. do either of these things. But whichever it may be, I will never know. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> not it's not your or or, at least, or at, like. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen with yeah. that person or me or my relationship to that person. I expected to remain dead and buried, but I don't know the future. I'm not omniscient, unfortunately. I I, I very much would like to. Well, be, I hope you I'm know. Not. I hope you know well enough that even if she does do what I mean might happen, which is when you turn your back on her, start making an effort, um, not to ignore the red flags you've discovered and let your desire for validation run the show so before we go how, how have you experienced this conversation how have I, oh, i'm like at this i don't know if i can call it therapeutical because <laughs> i i don't know if there's anything for me left to grieve i <laughs> think i think i'm in a very good place right now i've i've gone to uni and at this point i have made uh, around 20 something friendships Mm. Four of them, four of them are friendships. One of the, one of the people that I literally left um, university with just before I came to talk to you was um, his name's Harry, and we were both on the bus, and I was speaking mm. about how I was excited to speak to you today, and, <laughs> and and that person actually, even though they've known me for ten days at this point, mm-hmm. literally, uh, where they were genuinely excited and uh, mm. and I, uh, to speak to me, and uh, or at least so I felt, and I didn't yeah. feel the. And uh, it's just him and also a couple of other people. I feel as though I would want to make, like... Right. Companions like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that are genuinely excited yeah, for you. So so going back to your question, I don't know if I can call it therapeutical because at this point, like, I have a job that pays me quite well for being a 12-hour contract. I, I'm, I've, I've started rebuilding my friendships with, with people who I've unfortunately neglected. I've started making new friendships, and I'm also in university, one of the better universities in the entirety of Scotland and the UK. So I am very happy with where my life is. Okay, but good. to finally answer your question, I very much like it. We've spoken privately before. Mm-hmm. We went, I definitely thought that that was very therapeutical as well. Okay, well, I hope that it's brought the relevant issues to light and highlighted some ways forward for you. Do you, where do you think that those are? Basically, I, what I'm 
wanting to focus on is right now i remember my brother trying to organize his own birthday party like a joint birthday party with his old friend call so my brother is now 28 they knew each other from when they were about 10 they they were able to for free organize a hundred people techno rave for their own birthday for the cost of fuel essentially because they were able to speak to their friends who they've known for a very long time and then just bring speakers bring djs in and just have an amazing party that they were incredibly happy with and what i well, and and after the, the next day, my brother had spoken to me about it, and he told me he was happy and things like that. And he told me one very important thing that I, I think was what drove my mentality after breaking up, uh, with, uh, which is to you know make new friendships and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he told me that he was very happy that the, the friendship with his like friend that he organized the birthday party with, but also other friendships that helped him actually you know make the thing possible. He's happy that. Him cultivating them and being them, being there for for them, had not resulted in the one-sided relationship, but in genuine friendships. That when he just wanted right. to throw a birthday party for himself and and his friend, they were there for him and they 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 were happy to do that. And I I, I remember thinking to myself, this is what I need to do with my life right now, which right. is. To, to, to find people who will genuine bring genuine value right. into my life right. and make me feel as though I am worthy as opposed to me forcing myself to feel like that. Right, so one really big thing for you is to get these rewarding relationships, high-quality friendships, where people like really care about you and put an effort in for you so that you know that you're valued and aren't left feeling like you did... Um, before where you're just being inconvenient to people if you're uh, calling on them that's why it was so profound to you when you noticed that your friend was really excited on your behalf for engaging in that call so that's really important and then I think you know for you to to find other ways to tune into that part of you that feels unworthy and take care of it and start healing it up and obviously we could um, collaborate on that if you were to book me and another thing is that you could definitely consider is finding someone to speak to about your childhood experiences, whether that's yours truly or a counsellor. You could probably <laughs> see one through yeah. the, the university. They, they will give you six sessions for free often at the university if you, if you put yourself on a waiting list um, or someone outside of that. But I think that's a big lead for you because especially... If you feel like you can't talk about those things or you can't uh, think about them without without it being a thought crime, then that means yeah. you're not free to wander around in your own head. Yeah. I'm just saying these are some of the avenues that you could pursue if you wanted some leads yeah. on your further yeah. healing. So, like, obviously, thank you for your advice, and and if that need or I I, I feel that that's something I should do ever arises, then I'll definitely take the advice seriously and then think about it but this is a very relevant point upon listening to your interview with Pete Gerlach and then listening to him some more in my own free time he outlines what the psychological wounds are and and to me like apart from the obvious one that doesn't apply which is crime because I thought she's not a criminal every every one of them I think applied and basically a major theme of when I had the bottle up a large argument sessions with her essentially which she often would tell me that there was something wrong with my mental health and that I should go to the GP and mm. check it but 
Like, and, and and I believe that I genuinely thought that I needed to see a therapist be, well, that there was something wrong with me like that I, and I, I, this was maybe it's just a cultural thing like I'm, I'm Polish but uh, people in Scotland are I, I say less afraid to speak about mm. mental illness as though uh, uh, right. whereas whereas there may be stigma in other places for example in Poland when if if somebody were to say that they'd be like oh god you really need a doctor or something so right. like, maybe maybe it's just me not like never thinking about it again like i'm not a psychologist so i'm not mm-hmm. psychoevaluate myself but <clears throat> now i'm feeling good with myself like right. and last few months i was absolutely like convinced that i had depression and suicidal thoughts and things like that and it just went away once i realized right. once the griefing process had run its course right well i mean yeah there is a meme on the internet which is before you diagnose yourself with depression check that you're just not surrounded by assholes oh yeah 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 at some point i just got addicted to saying sorry to that person and to other people around my life like i spoke to my brother and i started like for half an hour at one point and i started saying sorry like over and over for like every single sentence and my brother was like is everything all right with you yeah, everything's fine. Yeah. And he's like, so why are you saying sorry every single in every single sentence? And I didn't know how to answer it to him. Right. But the core issue of you feeling like you have to apologize for your existence because you're, you feel unworthy. You feel like you're inconvenienced. You're apologizing a lot to your brother and he's noticing that. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks very much for taking the plunge with this. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely. Hope- it was an experience that I think I wanted to share. And finally put into words, like, have an hour session of speaking about it, and and maybe it will help somebody else to to realize that they're not a worthless piece of shit. They're actually a human being that matters, and that if somebody treats them wrong leave that person or try, try try and solve the issue especially if if if, if you think it's salvageable and then mm. you think it matters to you and to other person but if if it's beyond salvageable then then don't bog yourself down with oh but i'm the only person they've got there well they were able to get you and manipulate you into the the, the crazy situation that you find yourself in so mm. i'm pretty sure they're gonna be able to do that with another person as well that's i guess my final two senses yeah. Just know your self-worth because it really, really makes you feel better. I mean, going to uni, I've only been in it for 10 days now and I already feel better in my life because I feel as though I'm in a place that values, you know, the hard work that I've put in over the last two years and the stress that I've put in. And it's it's an amazing feeling and makes me feel good about my, my own life and what I do with it. Great. Well, thank you. That's a great note to end on. And I really appreciate you taking the risk, taking the plunge and putting this out there. And I also hope that it can help other people. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you, Anthony. And thank you for the opportunity as well. Thank you. Fundamentally, we don't have dysfunctional relationships with other people. We have dysfunctional relationships with ourselves. If there wasn't a part of us that abused us in some way that's similar to the way that we are on the receiving end of, we would recognize that behavior immediately as dysfunctional and we'd walk away as soon as our request for the other person to change their behavior fell on deaf ears. Because we internalize all sorts of voices that might be critical of us, external voices that might be critical seem kind of camouflaged. So the key to building a life we can attract very positive relationships into is building a very positive relationship with ourselves.
One way that you can get well on the road to doing that is to buy my self-study course, Surviving to Thriving. And you can find that on my website, beyourselfandloveit.com, under the course tab. My course takes you through six very detailed lessons with exercises to help you overcome all sorts of blocks in your personal development process and improve that all-important relationship with yourself. It took me eight months to put together, but my whole life to be able to put together, and I reckon it can save you 10 or 15 years. So start saving up those pennies and get to beyourselfandloveit.com, then click on the course tab and buy that Surviving to Thriving program. It will help you change your life. Until next week, be yourself. Well, don't just be yourself. Be yourself and love it.